Welcome to another episode of the More Than A Game podcast, the podcast where we seek to dig a little deeper into the sport of basketball in particular, in order to unearth some key themes and virtues that we can apply to our everyday lives. And today with me on the podcast, I'm joined by Tracy Williams. Tracy is a former NCAA player with James Madison University. He's probably best known for his time traveling the world with the little known organization, the Harlem Globetrotters. But uh, he's been a professional basketball coach in the Japanese Professional League. He's now a motivational speaker and a global ambassador for the charity or for the charity organization called Charity Bounce, doing some great work with kids around Australia. Tracy Williams, thanks for joining us and welcome to the More Than a Game podcast. Dan, man, it's a blessing for having me, man. I appreciate you. No worries at all, mate. It's great to have you on here. And uh, as I ask every guest that comes on the podcast, I'm just keen to know uh, a little bit about your background, obviously, but how did you first get involved with the sport of basketball and what, uh, I guess, uh, drove that passion for you to play and um, to get involved with the sport of basketball? Well, you know, um, you know, for a while in my early life, you know, I probably I didn't seriously get in basketball or really anything until around about sixth grade. I had a good friend of mine named Curtis Strzok. You know, he was he was uh, he loved basketball. I thought I loved it as much as him, but he actually went to the basketball camps and stuff like that. And I never actually went. And um, but uh, he would come back from the camps and he would reteach me and a couple of other guys that we hung out with um uh what he learned at the camp and we listened to him you know and and like i used for example i thought working on your basketball game was just getting the ball and going out with your friends Mm. and playing basketball for either 10 minutes or two hours it Mm. wasn't nothing said but he was the first one you know to get the cones out and, and show us a move and then we work on the move for 20 minutes and we would just follow him so you know i always tell people i don't think i would you know if it wasn't for curtis you know there i i never ever really would have probably grabbed onto the game like i did and um so and that was probably around when i was about six in the sixth grade and but you know i never did well far as everybody else was concerned, become good until like my senior year in high school. Cause I was like, like in America, you know, um, and I was born in Brooklyn, New York. See, when you coming up in those areas, if you a good basketball player, you normally identified like early on, like uh, seventh grade or, you know, something, you know, people start talking about you. Hmm. Not so much about me, you know, um, I was tall for my height. I mean, for my grade, my age at that time. And uh, so that was about the only thing, but because I was uncoordinated, I wasn't really that good. But it was um, it was Curtis who kind of started me on that journey, you know, as far as just really working on your game and and crafting it and shaping it to uh, to be able to um, do, you know, what I was able to do. That's awesome. So I guess. Australian basketball fans may not or may not have heard of your name before. And I mentioned that you played for the Harlem Globetrotters, which we'll come to in just a moment. But in that time where you um, grew up in Brooklyn and started playing the sport, were there any players in particular that you looked up to and, and aspired to be like in that 
in those in those early years? Yeah. Now, my when when I I started out in Brooklyn, then my mom and dad got a divorce, and my dad was from North Carolina, so he went back to North Carolina, and I stayed up north with my mom for a while. Mm-hmm. But around about fourteen, which would have been like year seven, year eight. You know, you guys times, that's where I went to North Carolina and I met Curtis. Now, I thought I had died when my mother told me, you got to go to live with your dad in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, coming, because we were living in, in New York and Washington, D.C. area. So it was like city. North Carolina area was like the south, south, the rural country type, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was the worst thing in the world at first. But where my dad lived, you know, I tell people this all the time. I said, oh, my high school, on Tuesday night, we would play the Washington Pan Pack, which they had a guy named Dominique Wilkins on the team. Yes. And on exactly. Friday nights, we would play Laney High School where Michael Jordan. So I've known Michael and played against Michael since right. ninth grade. And just just competing. And, you know, me, I'm, me and Nate McMillan, good friends, we played together. East West All Stars, you know, who's Atlanta Hawks coach now. Just mm-hmm. so many of these guys that when we were little, man, we never thought, you know, we would end up mm-hmm. doing the things that we've done, you know, for our sports. And, you know, I'm, I'm playing against these guys right now. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of great competition, to say the least. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and what I thought was going to be a curse turned out to be a blessing just to be down there to grow up and spend that part of my life, my high school years in North Carolina. And that set me up for success in the game. Well, mate, that's incredible. So you played against Michael Jordan at a young age, Dominic Wilkins. So just touching on that, what was he like back then? I mean, we all know the kind of uh, person he was in terms of his drive to get better and obviously famously missed out on that high school team. So um, was there any signs early on that he's going to be the player, or both of them, Dominique Wilkins, they were going to be the players that they became to be? Now, Dominique, yeah, you knew like right away. Yeah. Dominique was like, hey, man, he was amazing. Yeah. I mean, Nick, that's what we call him. Nick was like a, a just a next world player from the beginning, like ninth, tenth grade. Michael, not as much, man. I mean, if you find, if you ask any of us who grew up against playing, playing against him, all through most all of his high school, we would have probably we all of us would have said no, not what he's become. I, mm-hmm. This iconic, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember years later, man, when I would be hanging out with him, and you know, and 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 we'll be talking, and all, and in the background, he'll come on on the TV commercial or something. It'll be a Haynes commercial or club, you know, or something, and then we're like. And you look at the TV and you look at him. And, you know, I just remember, you know, I night my, you know, in high school when we would play them, we they for some reason they would always beat us at our place. Mm-hmm. Then when we go to their place, we would beat them. <laughs> and they and they didn't really, they weren't as a team, as high school team. I don't even think they even won the conference tournament, you know, which mm-hmm. is a lower level tournament. Maybe one time that he was there. Mm. But the two things I remember the most was one, which you mentioned, mm. I, I then and into this day, Dad, I've never met a more driven individual than Michael Jordan. I mean, he played, you know, 
you 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 play hard most of the time. But you know, sometimes when you're playing against some guys that you're not, they're not really on your level, you may have a tendency to kind of slack up a little mm. bit or go through the motions. Not him. Mm. You know, we call him black cat, mm. not the black cat. The black cat, the black cat, I knew before his children were born that they weren't gonna be really good in basketball because he was never gonna let them win. He was <laughs> never ever gonna do that fatherly, take it easy let you score some baskets, maniacal. Whatever you can imagine what that word is, driven to be the very best. Um, he wasn't even the most talented basketball player from my area, oh, yeah. but he was the most driven and he was talented, but it was guys that were more talented. But nobody really had this nonstop win at all costs mentality like he does and 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 the thing i noticed too was in the ninth grade he had these huge hands man this dude hands was almost like freakish <laughs> big hands yeah. and and which means he could just pick the ball up with the left or right hand and if you know as a basketball player if you can palm that ball with either hand you can move it and stuff when people try to jump at you. Mm. And he could just do so much stuff with those big hands. Cause I always thought I was like, man, what's going on, man, with your hands? Because mm. the hands were so big. And those were the two things that always stuck out and continued to about me with Michael is that, mm. you know, I just never, you know, all of us wanted to win, but Michael, <laughs> oh my God. His 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 drive to win was just a whole nother level. Mm. Well, that's really cool. Um, you touched on just how he wasn't the greatest player, I guess, amongst uh, others in his same age. Um, just a quick question, because I know you've um, you've coached at a high level. You're still doing coaching with uh, mm. young players now in the pathway programs over here in Sydney. So, um, my question is, I guess those players that had the talent. Um, but don't necessarily have the drive. And you see it in multiple sports, rugby league, AFL, doesn't really matter. You see the players that have talent and they're just gifted with it, but they don't put the work in. So they just, you know, they don't reach the potential that uh, they probably could if they put the work in. So that drive, that desire to get better, is that something that's just within people? Or is that something that you can harvest over time or build upon? Or is this some people have it, some people don't? I think you can create it. Cause I know I wasn't driven at all. I was lazy. I was lazy for a long time. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that. Yeah. I wasn't trying to. It was a, a while in my life, early life. I wasn't trying to be the best too much of anything. You know, I'm just chilling. I'm not. I'm not even. And, but I did not know. You know, all of us have a competitive. I don't care how humble you claim you, whatever. All of us have a certain level of competitiveness in us mm -hmm. that we're born with, that we want to, to be successful mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Um, so I, when I went to North Carolina, I was kind of thrown into this com competitive situation. Like I said, I could name guys like Rufus Harris, um, the Harris boys, all of them, the Linwood, Daryl Palmley, all of these are guys' names that you never heard of globally. Mm -hmm. But these guys were incredible basketball players. Mm -hmm. 
Right. You know, some made, some of them made bad decisions that, you know, and different things. But it was just so many great players, like, all around. Like, if I was able to do um, a Hall of Fame for my life during that time, I mean, it, it would be so many guys that people in this, outside the state of North Carolina wouldn't know. Right. Because these guys were, you know, when when you talk about the, the great players like Lloyd Sweet Pete Daniels and the Pee Wee Kirklands and I mean Pee Wee scored 135 in a in a college wow. game. Wow. I mean, um, James Fly Williams scored 70 in the first half. Austin Peay mm-hmm. University. I mean, just iconic guys in the hood now because you know and everybody because the basketball fraternity is so small. Yeah. You know, we know them. Like if I said, you know, somebody that came up, uh, you know, every area, every hood in America, if you're in Chicago, it's Lamar Monday. Man, you know, shoot the ball in a different area code. I mean, all of these guys, but their names are people who, the, a fan that didn't grow up in America in the, the heartland of basketball, you don't know who these guys were. Mm. Because for whatever reason, you know, they never made it past high school. They, right. You know, they just, for whatever, like I said, sometimes just bad choices, yeah. bad decisions, man. And, you know, and it causes you to abort your future. Mm. Yes. And it's, uh, sadly, the case with many um, athletes out there, professional and those up and coming, but um you were one that did kick on. Um, you went on to play university or NCAA ball with uh, the James Madison University, I see. And uh, not long after that, I guess, you had the opportunity to play for the Harlem Globetrotters again, playing um, and travelling the world. Um, would have been an incredible opportunity to have. Um, for those who don't know much about the Harlem Globetrotters story, can you sort of touch on what they're all about and, and what was that experience like and that opportunity like for you? Well, you know, it's it's really ironic now that you mentioned it because they did, the Globe Child is just are starting to petition the NBA about becoming, uh, an expansion team. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the Harlem Globe Child started in 1926 um, by a guy named Abe Saperstein, and that was at the time when America had was segregated. Mm. You know, the NBA, the professional team leagues. If you weren't a white player. You couldn't play in those leagues. Mm. So um, this guy, Abe Saperstein, put together a team of the top black players, you know, that he could find all over America. Mm. And and they just went around and would play team. Whoever would play them and pay them, they would <laughs> go play them. And mm. so, so they started touring first in just America. And just even when he called them Harlem Globetrotters in 1926, he called them that. They didn't even leave the country till like almost 30 years later. Wow. That, that Before they would go. You're talking about um, Spakefield words. He spoke it over that team. Mm. And that team was, you know, it became what he said it was going to be. Mm. So they, they, they traveled around. And I mean, you know, just so much history, you know, after a while, the fame of that team went out, or not only with just African Americans, but White Americans too, and they all got grew to love that, that, that team so much so 
that the NBA at that time, around George Mikey area era and stuff, they would have the Globetrotters to play their play a game before their game, mm. so they could have the fans in there because everybody sold out crowds around America were coming to see these guys. And at that time, again, they were regular basketball players. Mm -hmm. But the thing about the Globetrotters, they beat everybody so much that the folks, that the, the, the popularity started waning, or people didn't want to come pay no more because they said, well, we know you're going to win. Mm -hmm. And it was a guy, what we call our first showman ever, was Goose, Reese Goose Tater, mm -hmm. who's in the Basketball Hall of Fame now. Um, he's... Just when he saw that the crowds were starting to leave and stuff, he started doing these things we call rings as globetrotters, but they're called tricks with the ball. Mm. So instead of just scoring the ball, he used to take, spin it around on his finger, spin it across his chest, and <laughs> drop it on the ground and kick it into the net. Yeah. And, and, and this all started out as a necessity to keep this job, wow. playing this kid's game. And then, you know, other guys started picking up on it because, they, you know, that made you a fan favorite if you could do something. Kind of like and one mixtape now, mm -hmm. but, you know, things like the first slam dunk, the Globetrotters did it. Mm -hmm. The first player, black player to ever play in the NBA game was Nat Sweetwater Clifton, who was a Globetrotter. Mm -hmm. uh, he played with the Knicks. Now, Chuck Cooper was the first one to sign a contract. Mm -hmm. but. He didn't play to the second night of the NBA season. So Nat, technically, Cooper, but actually Nat Clifton was, um, Sweetwater was the first one. And also the great Will Chamberlain, I got to mention mm. him. He played his first two years with the Harlem, especially with the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm. And, um, and has, was, you know, he's deceased now, but uh, always said that his two, the happiest time playing professional basketball was playing for the Harlem Globetrotters. And if you pull him up on Google, he comes up first in a Globetrotter uniform. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that Magic Johnson, after he retired, played for the Globetrotters. Yeah. That Kareem played a little while with the Globetrotters. So, you know, it's a team that's been around for so long and they, you know, used to beat the, the, the NBA champion in what they call the World Series of Basketball. You Google that and look that up. Mm. The, the Globetrotters uh, beat the Minneapolis Lakers a few times. So after a while, they, the league just said, hey, we can't keep losing to these guys, these black players. So let's let's start integrating them into the league because people already, they already had a fan following mm. and people. So it was just a no-brainer if you're a businessman mm. in the area of sports. Hey, yeah, they want to see these guys play. Mm. Let's let's make that one. Mm. There you go. It's an incredible story, really. Is and I didn't realize all that about how it came about. But um, I remember going to see them in two thousand and four. You weren't involved back then, were you? Uh, no, no, yeah. I'm I'm old head man. I'm <laughs> I'm fifty seven. I've been gone for a while. Yeah, in yeah. two thousand and four. But I mean, the team, man. Like I I tell people, you know, we've been to every continent. We even got a standing contract with NASA Space Program in America mm -hmm. to be a contract that we're going to be the first team to play on the moon. Yeah. That, you know, when they when they, when they get there, set it up, that we're going to be – I mean, because we played everywhere, Colorado, <laughs> swimming pools and and on, on aircraft carrier decks, in mm -hmm. jungles. You know, we've taken 
we consider ourselves ambassadors not only of goodwill, but we've taken the game of basketball around the world. Mm. I, probably, we think, more than any other team. And that's why about 15 years ago, we were one of only, we were the first team ever to be inducted as a team mm. into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. So cool. So how did you get your start? How did it come about that? Did you try out for it or did someone headhunt you or scout yeah. you? How did it come it was, about? It was kind of like a headhunt because, man, growing up, I, you know, I knew about the Globe Charters because I watched the cartoons. Yeah. I always said that uh, my mother bought me some Harlem Globe Charter um, linen sheet to put on my bed. Yeah. And um, so I remember the, the, the cartoons and things. I never really wanted to, that was not the goal. Um, when I came out of uh, a college university, um, I was I went into the, um, the Washington Bullets camp, which they now the Wizards. Uh-huh. And um, I was there in camp. The Globe Charter somehow knew about me and had been scouting me. I, I don't uh-huh. even remember even talking to any of them. Mm-hmm. So later on, I got released and, you know, I'm dejected. I'm sad. I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, you know, I, I thought I was going to go straight from university straight into the NBA. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at a CBA team called the Quad City Thunder mm-hmm. and I'm freezing to death <laughs> in, in a little town called Moline, Iowa, wow. somewhere. And, and we go into our games in station wagons and, you know, and the CBA was the G League back then. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So, so you down there, you know, making about four hundred dollars a week, saying, hoping that, um, you know, you're gonna get that ten call up or whatever. Mm. And my college coach called me and said, the Globe Charters want to invite you to a tryout. And I didn't think no. I was like, no. I don't, I don't. And I, at the time, I couldn't even spin the ball on my finger. And I thought <laughs> you could do that stuff. Yeah. So I said, I'm not going to that. But when I was sitting there, I was talking to my agent on the phone, and he was, and I was telling him about it. I said, they want me to come. He said, man, you should go check it out. Uh-huh. So I'm a, I ain't gonna lie. I went. I have heartedly went down to this to the tryout, and thinking I was because I can't even spin the ball on my thing. I'm thinking I'm gonna get cut. Yeah. So I'm just saying, hey, I go down here. You know, tryouts like that in America, you get this free trip. Yeah. Nice, all this stuff. I get there, and they say, oh, we're moving you to the next level of the camp. Wow. So I said, oh, okay, they'll cut me next time. Because <laughs> we really just played basketball. That's all we were doing. Yeah. And then I get to the next, next, they flies out to the Olympic training facility out in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. at the, uh, out there. So I go out there, and I know I'm something. I know I'm getting cut now. And I remember I asked, the uh, one of the coaches, I said, man, I can't even spin the ball on my finger. He said, well, we're just looking for great basketball players. Mm. And if we can get great basketball players, we can teach you how to do the tricks. Right. So, again, I'm still thinking I'm going to get cut. And I remember it got down to the last four. And, and I found out later, I didn't even notice, that they had been looking at 400, almost 400 guys from around the world. Mm. I didn't know nothing about none of that stuff. And and really, the only reason I actually did go was because my dad grew up watching the Globe Trotters, and mm. and that was the only way that black men could play professional basketball. So he loved the Globe Trotters more than he loved the NBA. Mm. 
because yeah, well. that's what he grew up and what he knew. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, "Yeah, man, you take it, do it, do it." Mm-hmm. I and you know, and I make the team. I'm still. I mean, I ain't gonna lie to you, Dad. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of going like, man. <laughs> but you know, God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes it was where I needed to be mm-hmm. because once I got there. And I want to tell you, if I can tell you this quick story, I remember first talking with Curly Neal and, you know, and he was like, man, how you like, I don't know if you remember Curly, the bald headed one. And, 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 and Curly was telling me, man, listen, this is the greatest thing you being a globe child. I'm like, nah, but the NBA is better. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking about the money and stuff. I ain't gonna lie. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like, well, and he was like, nah, man, but the impact that you're going to be able to make globally, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's telling me all this stuff, but I'm 22, 23. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the league. Yeah, for sure. And, and he's like, uh, nah, nah. But I found out he was right because I think it was doing like my first year, my first tour. We went to a hospital to visit kids in an oncology ward, in a mm-hmm. pediatric oncology ward. Mm-hmm. And I remember you know, us getting on the bus to go to the hospital and meet, being met downstairs with these nurses who were gonna take us like on the second floor or something. And they kind of tell us that, look, you know, a lot of these kids are stage four terminal, you know, and, mm. you know, and stuff. So when she got through telling us and stuff, they said, so, you know, some of them gonna have tubes and stuff coming out, mm. and, well, you know, colostomy bags and different things. So they're trying to get us ready, you know, so I'm going to tell you, all of us was kind of feeling like down almost once we went through the little briefing. And then we get on the elevator or the lift and go up to the floor. Mm-hmm. And we, as soon as the door opened, it's all of these pictures and things where they drew and pictures of what the other globe charters right. and everything. And, man, I'm getting a little emotional now, Dan. I ain't even going to lie to you. That, and that day was so long ago, man, but it was like, we go into this ward and they got this open room and some kids are in the bed and and they hook the machines and all of this stuff. And man, you know, they were so glad to see us Mm. and they really picked me up. And Mm. I really understood then about the the glow, what the globe charters are really all about ambassadors Mm. of goodwill. Mm. And man, I mean, we ended up, we spent, Cause I was thinking we're gonna be there three hours. That's too long or whatever. Man, them three hours went like that. Mm-hmm. All of us to a man was like going, "Yo, it's time to go already." Mm-hmm. And just to be around these kids and doing tricks, showing them how to do tricks and doing things, mm-hmm. it was just, just an amazing time, man. It was surreal almost. Mm-hmm. You know that here we were to there to pick them up. But they picked me up mm-hmm. and they made me appreciate a lot of things that I was taking for granted. You know, because at that point, up to that point, I didn't really know, right? To be honest, man, the Glow Child just a way of making some money, you know, mm-hmm. playing basketball and it was good money. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, but from that day on, everything changed about playing with the Glow Childers and it, it, it was an honor then. Mm-hmm. It was. It's an honor now that you know to have that been a part of that, mm-hmm. because we were bringing something that was greater than the game, mm-hmm. and it was uh, just to see that man. I mean, and we and we doing sold out crowds 
everywhere we go, man. I remember we get to Mexico City. They got 100,000 out there waiting wow. for us when the plane lands on the tarmac. Gosh. Crazy. Be like we go to these countries, it'd be bananas. Mm. Just how people would just gravitate to the team. And, you know, my thing has always been that fame, for the most part, is not a good thing. But the best thing about fame is when you can use it to help somebody who don't have anything or don't have it, and you can impact their lives and uplift them and make them better. Yeah. Yeah, make them dream the big dream, man. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. That's awesome, mate. And I think that's the whole idea of the podcast, ultimately, is to, um, I guess, reveal that there is more to sport or more to basketball and what it teaches us about life. And just along those lines, I just wanted to, Get a little bit philosophical with you. Um, so I've been reading the book and I came across this um, this quote and it's from um, a book by a theologian, a Jewish theologian called Martin Buber. And I uh, hope it's not all out there, but I think it relates to what you've set your heart to do and your life at the moment to do with people. And um, he wrote this book about the I and their relationship and he talks about the relationship that we should have with one another as humans. And... Um, he distinguishes between I and thou and I and it. And I'm quoting from a book by Peter Scazzaro, but he says, in a relationship, um, this is speaking of person to person, I recognise that I am made in the image of God and so is every other person. This makes them a thou to me. They have dignity, they have worth, and they are to be treated with respect. I affirm them as being a unique and separate human being apart from me. So that's the ultimate. That's how we should be viewing one another as thous. But on the flip side, in most of our human relationships, and you mentioned the segregation that happened back in the day, and um, you still see that today. Yeah. Um, but it says, we treat people as objects, as an it. In an it-I-it relationship, I can treat you as a means to an end, I might, uh, as I might a toothbrush or a car. I talk to people in order to get something off my chest, not to be with them as separate individuals. I talk about people, authority figures, people in the news and so on, as if they are subhuman. I get frustrated when people don't conform to my plans or see things the way I do. And so again, Martin Boob is saying that we should not view people in that way and treat them as a means to an end, but as a person made in the image of God, we are um, like-minded, we're human, we're all the same in that sense. And I'll see that with you and your, uh, I guess, your career, what you do now with coaching, but also with your work with Charity Bounce. You definitely see that in people and no matter who they are, um, you can obviously, um, particularly with Indigenous Australians, you've done a lot of work with them in uh, your role with Charity Bounce. But I guess where did that come from, that desire to treat people with respect and dignity? Was that something that you got brought up with? Or, um, yeah, but where does that come from for you? Well, I, it came from my faith in God. I mean, mm. you know, I, didn't, I thought I knew who I was before I knew God, mm. but it wasn't until I knew God that I knew who I was, if that makes sense to you. You know, um, I, what his opinion of who I was. And, you know, and I kind of swung away and stayed away from God as long as I could because I was, I was just hearing only one aspect about him. You know, I was hearing about, you know, he'd kill you. He'll hit you with a bolt of lightning. He'll strike <laughs> you down, you know, and, mm. and, and, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, who, whoever was selling him that time, they, it wasn't something I wanted. Um, but it wasn't until later when I found out about his love and his forgiveness, you know. Um, I mean, because, like, man, sometimes, man, 
I don't even like loving myself, you know, but in the midst of all of that, I could see where he was loving me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in love is all about worth though. I mean, people love, when you love something, the value goes up, you know, you, you'll see somebody who will pay $250,000 to, to buy a pair of worn Michael Jordan, Ed Jordans. Now, where is that value? How is that? Why is that value? No, it was in the perception of the person who paid the $250,000. They love Michael Jordan. Mm. They love his shoe. Mm. So that was their way of showing their love by giving uh, of them out, out of their income that way. Now, I wouldn't pay that for them. I guess, I, you know, what they did. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, how he kind of loved me and, and valued me. I think the best way I can address, answer that and say that is that I believe it was Mother Teresa was asked the question, um, why are there wars in the world? Why are continually there wars in the world? And she simply answered in her, like she did in her way. Um, she said, because mankind hasn't figured out that we're all connected. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, and that was so profound mm-hmm. when I heard that, that we don't know that, that you know, I'm connected to you. Yeah. I'm connected to the, 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 my neighbor next door. I'm connected to them. And if we chose to perceive that like that, you know, and, and, and then you understand then that people are important. Mm-hmm. That they're important to you and why they're important. Then later on playing sports in a team sport. And I'm always telling people, you should have your children, make them play in a team sport, at least mm-hmm. for a little while. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying you got to do like we did, just love it and commit mm-hmm. to it, but just make them play yeah. but, or, or in a team sport. Mm-hmm. Because if nothing else, it, it you have to learn to work with, with, other, with other people for this one common goal, which is to win. Hmm. You know, so we can't win in life without each other. Hmm. I need you, Dan. You need me. Hmm. And the thing that we forget, because there's some evil social constructs out there hmm. that's saying, well, these people are better than these people. And this, this, this is, no, 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 no. Yeah. Everybody that's in this world is valuable. They're a gift to this world. Mm. And they want and they're here to give their gift. Mm. And so I never walk out the door without knowing that. And I mean, I don't care, you know, if we're in Australia, they will blow the horn at you for anything. And, and <laughs> not, uh, you know, I've yet to have one blow the horn just to tell me they love me. <laughs> but but what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I do, what I do now is to try to use this, you know, as, as developing my emotional intelligence mm. and, and to be able to say, hey, you know what? That guy really loved me right there. Man, you see how hard he blew that horn? Mm. He must have been really loving me right there. And, and I don't go check and make sure that's what he was thinking. So I'm good on that. So I, I, I just feel like God loving me when I'm unlovable helps me to love those when others when they're unloved. And and that works for me. And 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 what helps me to understand it in my finite brain is that when I came to James Madison University, it was guys there who didn't look like me, 
They were different color than me. They came from different social, economic, and geographical backgrounds than I had. And our coach had nine weeks to get us together mm. on the same page yeah. so we could qualify for the NCAA tournament and go after a national championship. Mm. So we had to not only, you know, put our differences aside, mm. but we had to learn how each other's difference and not only respect those differences, but see how those differences are going to be important ingredients for us to win. I mean, I needed David DuPont from Greensboro, North Carolina. I needed Jimmy Maslow from Charlottesville, Virginia. And, you know, I needed all of these different guys, uh, um, Eric Ash from Bellport, New York. Yeah. I needed all of these guys and all of their experiences and, and, and mix it all together, being led by a coaching staff. Yeah. And like I said, we ended up in the NCAA tournament. So, and you know, and for Americans, basketball players, oh man, that's the greatest sporting event, including the NBA, is the NCAA tournament. Everybody want to go to the dance, baby. Yeah. 100%. So it was, it was, and, and all of that stuff helped me, you know, basketball helps me to understand that I need everybody. Everybody that works for Charity Bounce, I'm always telling them, say, look, we need every one of them. Mm. Everybody's important here. Mm. I don't care who you are. Somebody might say the CEO of our organization is 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 most important person. Mm. Mm. I don't, I beg to differ because if we have a big meeting that could something that if it goes right we can move our program ahead, leap years or whatever. And the guy who's in charge of keeping the place clean, he doesn't get there early enough to open the door. So now the people are on the outside and can't get in. I think at that moment, the CEO is not the most important person. It's the guy with the keys. Is mm -hmm. you know so, and you know this as in your basketball background, you got show horses and you got work horses. Mm -hmm. Our job was to be both at certain times with mm -hmm. low riders, mm -hmm. but you know you gotta you got you know everybody on your team. Everybody in your family, everybody in your community, everybody in your state, everybody in your country, you need them. Mm. And because they got something to give that nobody else can give. Mm. And it's in a key ingredient to the success of all of us. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. Love it. And I guess that comes across in your work with Charity Bounce. Um, we had Cal Bruton on the podcast uh, a little while ago, and Cal's obviously been involved with Charity Bounce in the past and sort of gave us uh, a rundown of what the organization's all about. But uh, what's your role specifically with the organization and um, just fill those in, those people in who may not have heard about Charity Bounce, about what you guys do and I guess the great work you do in the community. Well, you know, my role is I'm, I'm the global ambassador. Mm. You know, I travel around when we can travel. Mm. I travel around the, 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 the world as a speaker talking about our program and what we do mm. um, to people uh, that, that support us, who would like to support us. Um, in America, I did a lot of speaking, as you we were talking about earlier, I spoke at, for two presidents, um, mm. spoke for President George Bush Jr. Mm. in um, his community and schools program, White House Initiative. Mm. Uh, 
as well as under President Obama with the, uh, when he hosted the National Prayer Breakfast, which is an annual event, one of the biggest events in America every year. Right. I've worked with Fortune 500 companies on things like team building, communication, diversity, training, you know, just teamwork, like just building great teams. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so when I came here, and it's like the, uh, the story, you know, um, when I met Ian Heininger, who's our a CEO and, and the founder, one of the founders that started Charity Bounce, mm. you know, um, I, to be honest, I came here to actually do some work with the NBA Global Academy. All right. Because I knew NBA people in the front office and, you know, we had talked and said, hey, you know, you go to Australia because my daughter, she's a citizen here and she's been here for a while. And right. I said, well, yeah, I want to go there. And, and he was like, I, I, I go down here now. When I before the night before I left, a friend of mine, Malik Dixon, called me from Australia and said, "Have you ever checked in on in this organization called Charity Bounce?" And as he was talking, I pulled it up at my house in North Carolina on the laptop, and I was like, "Oh, they only been around two years, you know, mm -hmm. you know." And also, I'm be honest with you, I was thinking the NBA is more established the Global Academy there in Canberra, yeah. you know, I'm thinking with my head and not my heart right then. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I I get here the way, like I said, God connects them dots. Yeah. I get here, you know, I go up to the, the Gosford, Gosford, I think I'm saying it, Gosford, Gosford or, yeah. uh, under 21s or something, yeah. under 19 something championships. I'm up there with Patrick Hunt and all of these guys, and I'm with a guy who works with Charity Bounce. Wow. He's an American guy. Yeah. And he's telling me about it, and he's saying, you got to sit down with um, Ian. And I said, okay. So about a week later, I go and I meet with him, and he starts telling me about this vision. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I was thinking the whole time I was there, I said, I'm not going to work with them. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the NBA, it's a bigger yeah. brand and everything. And at least, you know, I get established. Uh -huh. Soon as he told me what his vision was, he said for, for Charity Bounce and using the game of basketball to teach kids things like resilience yeah. and, and, and employment and how to set them up for success and no child being left behind using the game. Because, you know, where I come from in America, the game has used so many people and mm. chewed them up and spit them out, as we say. Mm. And everybody don't make it that love it, mm. you know, for whatever reason. And here was he was telling me in his vision what something thing I wanted to do at this part of my life. I, he was saying, hey, we're going to use the game. And now here's an example of what I'm saying. Hmm. Well, when I train our coaches, this is what I do. I write at the top of the grease board. I write up there. I said, I first, I asked the question. I said, well, what are we? I, I said, we are a social program. Hmm. I said, we're not the, the Bankstown Bruins. We're not the Bulls. <laughs> not the Comets. We're not uh, the center of excellence. Hmm. We're not none of those people. We, we got our own lane over here. We got a unique selling position. Mm -hmm. I said, in those places, those guys uh, wake up in the morning and say, we're going to teach ball handling. Mm -hmm. and, and then they come up with a message to support that drill, mm -hmm. them drills that they got. 
we invert it. Yeah. We can wake up in the morning with a message. Yeah. And we use basketball drills that support our message. Right. If we're talking about cooperation in your home, in your school, in your communities, now we're going to talk about, okay, let's work on assist today. Every time you score, Dan, I want you, as soon as you score, to point at the guy who that led and say his name and thank him. And say, thank you, Tracy, for that, for that pass. We're going to talk on the court, a lot of chatter on the court. I'm going to be saying things like, you got one behind you, Dan. Watch it. Screen left, Dan. Screen on back screen. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm telling you stuff. So we're going to now, we, we see how we're working on that co co cooperation piece. We got to be able to speak to each other. You know, we got to have language out there. We got to do things that support each other. We play in deep. We're working on defense. But not just any defense, not a man-to-man, -man, but a pack line defense. Mm -hmm. And if you know about pack line defense, it's not one-on-one man-to-man. It's one-on-five man-to-man. Uh, you All five of us, you got to see all five of us before you get to that rim. Mm -hmm. So everybody's getting to the ball. So nobody is saying Dan's man is killing him because that's going to be an indictment against all of us. Mm -hmm. We're going to say, hey, who was there to help Dan? So we're going to say, Dan, whenever you in trouble or you get beat on a drive, the, the first thing I want you to do is scream, help. Hmm. And when you scream out help, there better be four guys rotating to get there to your man yeah, yeah. or whoever beat you. Now, what does that do? We setting you up for life because one of the things that people that are listening to us right now, Dan, that they struggle with, they needed to be in part of Charity Bounce so they would know what with this is when they in trouble, they won't ask for help. Right. They won't ask for help. They'll wait till life is beating them down to a pulp. Yeah. And they look so bad that somebody said, hey, buddy, hey, mate, you need some help? Right. You looking bad over there. Where they should, as soon as they got beat, right. as soon as they got beat, they should have asked somebody for help. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they feel like probably that that's making them less of a man or less of a woman or less of whatever. See, in basketball, especially at, at charity battles, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, don't, we don't want these kids to ever get become adults and not feel like they can't ask for help. Mm -hmm. And ask for help as soon as you get beat. As mm -hmm. soon as that guy gets by you, Dan, I'm going to need you to holler out help. Yeah, and help side defense is coming. Right. And you got to know that. Right. So, you know, every day that we do our programs and stuff, I walk in there and I say, hey, we building leaders in here. Right. We're using this game to build leaders. And nobody, and all of us, nobody's going to get left out here. Right. We're going to, you know, so it's no such thing as, Dan, who's the weakest player here? We're like, none of us. Nobody. Because you go against one of us, you're going against all of us. Right. That's good. None of us are weak players here. Right. And, and now just think if we, they take that back to their families. Right. Just think if they take that back to their schools. Just think if they take that back to their community. Right. I'm going to say it here on the world famous more than a game show. Yeah. I'm going to say it right now right. that I guarantee you that one of the next Prime Ministers of Australia are going to come through Charity Bounce Program. Guaranteed. You mark it down. Just as sure 
as Abe Saperstein was when he said the Harlem, the world famous Harlem Globetrotters. Very cool. He knew that's what we were going to be. So yeah. when Ian told me about using this game to build lives, see, that was what I was waiting on. Mm, yeah. And because, you know, I, I, I came to the meeting, Dan, I had what I wanted in my contract and how much money I mean, you know, I'm thinking as soon as he said that, now, I hope he don't watch this, but he could have got me for uh, bubble gum after that. <laughs> I mean, once he told me what, what he wanted to do, make basketball a bond serving, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about, Dad. Mm -hmm. to the, you know, instead of us serving the game, the game is going to serve us. So we got all types of kids from all types of walks of life that come through our doors, males and females. We are disabled athletes. We work with, yeah, we're, what we're doing is building people. And, we, and the game is so rich, so, so rich with, with, with skills and, and, and information that's going to help these people long after that basketball stops um, bouncing. Mm. And Charity Bounce was a program, the first one that I'd ever been in. Mm. That, that's always at the forefront. Cool. It's always, you know, mm. when I walk in a coach's meeting, the last thing I want to hear about is how great, you know, and we do, we do use the game, the, the skills and stuff, and we're going to produce some NBA players too. I just mm. didn't mention that first because it wasn't the first day. Yeah. We're going to produce some NBA and WNBA players, too, and NBL stars, too. But what I want to know is, I want to ask coaches, tell me about Dan. Where is he from? Tell me about him. Tell me about his character. Tell me what you know about him. Mm. Well, you know, I want to know where he started at and now where he's at now mm. and where we got him pointed at. Mm. Mm. And we want to build you up. You know, we're not here. You know, the only thing we're trying to tear down is them doubts and them fears. Mm. We're trying to get rid of that, you know, because my whole life, almost, people have been telling me that I couldn't do something. Mm. But I was like, man, you know I, what I say, Dad, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Mm. And they said, yeah, but you ain't there yet. I said, yeah, <laughs> but I speak them things that are not as though they were that I be justified in my sayings yeah. and let every man be alive, that God may be trusted. Man, do you know God made me and he don't make no junk? Mm. He, not, he made me and looked at me and said, mm, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> this thing right here is good. He said, I showed off right there. Yeah. He said, I made a world and it, the only way it can be complete is I put Tracy in. Mm. And I said, oh my God. Now, that's where my attitude comes from. Mm. I tell people I'm not conceited. I'm convinced. He's mm. convinced that I can go out here and make an impact on to touch tomorrow today. Mm. And he told me that the vehicle was going to be charity balance. Mm. And so I told Ian, I'm ride or die, man. No matter what we do, if we end tomorrow, I'm going to be there. We're going to be the last man standing. Yeah. And but I don't. But that's not going to happen. I know that Charity Bounce, the first day I came to it, it was going, it was something that was going to last longer than my life. I knew it was going to be bigger than my life. Yeah. I, I, I'm thankful to the organization. I'm mm -hmm. thankful to Ian. 
for giving giving me an opportunity. Uh-huh. I mean, I get to work with the best people in the world, man. Cal Bruton, man. I mean, uh-huh. was a, a a great NBL coach and star. Far, far better person, man. I mean, uh-huh. me and Cal went out on the Larry Pinter track. I was amazed at his age. How he could get out there <laughs> and do. I'm looking at him. You making me feel kind of bad. He was making me kind of feel kind of bad, man. Just what he could do. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Dan, before you go to heaven, you gotta see Cal in person with these kids. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing. Yeah. You know, his message is always powerful. Yeah. Um, I mean, Charity Bounce could never be any what it is now or what it will be. Without him, he 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 was just um, you know like I said, I watch him out there in Alice Springs, man, working with the digi- indigenous kids, right. and really, man, it was school for me. Right. He was teaching me, you know, I mean, his his, his authenticity, his his sincerity. Right. I mean, this guy is super passionate about young people, and and I said, tell him all the time, you know, the Black Pearl. He's an Australian treasure. Mm. I think he just won an award uh, here in Australia. And I mean, this guy, he's adopted Australia as his home. Mm. I implore Australians to adopt him back. (laughs) And and, I mean, he's just, you know, I've seen this guy in action. Mm. And I tell you, you know, a lot of his stuff, you know, that, that what I do now, he inspired that in me and continues to do it. Mm. That's, that's awesome, mate. I'm sure you'd be stoked to hear that rap. Um, but you've tapped into some great things that we've been talking about on the podcast, but also part of my philosophy too, the importance of obviously having a great vision for your organisation or you as an individual, where you're going to head. And that was shared and you got on board with that. Uh, but also around coaching, something I want to touch on as a coach. Um, for yourself because I know you spent time in Japan coaching over there obviously coaching now but um, for me growing up even um, I guess coaches at any level but particularly coaches coaching younger kids um, for the vast majority of them they probably won't even if they're playing at elite levels they probably won't go on to play professionally um, there's only a select that do um, but I remember going back into those years and when you look when I look back on those years you don't particularly look back on the wins and losses as such, but you look back on the people you played with, the players, but the coaches are in many ways mentors and apart from your parents, they are the most influential people in your life at the time because you're with them two, three times a week, training, doing your individuals. And so for me, something that I want to encourage coaches with is that you have a choice to be a positive influence in these kids' lives and not berate them or carry on like some of my coaches did and it just made me feel like a less of a person or belittled, but there's an opportunity to be a positive influence in this person's life. And they may not be the next NBL or NBA star, but you have an opportunity to instill these values that you've been talking about in these kids. And for me, that's an important uh, philosophy for coaching. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I, I, when I first got here, I came across a stat that said that from age 15 to 44, um, the leading cause of death in Australia in males was suicide. Mm. That blew me away. Mm. That blew me away. Now, like I said, if you ever interview Ian, 
the first thing that he's going to tell you about Charity Bounce and why it came into existence was to build resiliency. Mm-hmm. You know, teaching people how to manage, and teach, teaching people how to cope in tough or challenging situations. Yeah. Um, you know, as you know that through sport as a coach, what I try to do, I try to make the practices harder than the games. So the games will be easier, mm-hmm. you know, physically push you, physically get you out there. And then when you in this physically do under physical duress, be able to manage it and make the right decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. And, and now, now again, this, this, this not only helped me in the game when coaches put me in real tough decisions, positions, and they say, okay, Tracy, you still got to be able to execute at this level. Mm. You still got to be able to do what you did when you weren't tired, mm. now that you're tired. This is where you build mental toughness. Mm. Like what the Bible tells us. You know, when I, I, I said, I need to, I need to, I said, I want some patience because I'm impatient. Then I read in Second Peter what you got to do to get to that patience. You got to have some tribulation. You got to have some trials. You got to have some setbacks. I didn't want none of that. None of that was appealing to me. So what I found with my coaches, now some of them, like just like you, man, they taught me some things I would not do. They taught me some things I would not say. (laughs) But I also, but I ain't going to lie to you, I thank God for them because a lot of them, you know, my college coach told me when I first got there, he said, Trace, I'm going I'm to make a man out of you. Mm. And I was like, man, I already feel like I'm a man. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't say that to him yeah. because you said mentors. A lot of my coaches were almost like a type of God in our life mm. because we were with them in practice way more, especially in university. Mm. I'm with them six, sometimes seven days a week. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that's dictating to you. And right. trust me, in college, university in America, college basketball is a business. Mm-hmm. So it, you, you're, it's, I, I would especially we division one, division one basketball. You on you, you're a business. Mm-hmm. So we're 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 out there, and all of this stuff is going on. And 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 really, his name was Lou Campanelli. And I and and you know I got this little mental thing mm-hmm. that no matter what I go through. I'll say if I could get through Lou, I can get through you. <laughs> if I could, if I could get through that, you know, because because he created situations for me that I had to figure out how to manage it, mm-hmm. and it, and it's just like in our faith, yeah. That I tell people this. I said God allows rough things to come in your life, so you have to go to Him for help. I said, God allows good things to happen to you so you can cope and have to go to him and say thank you. Yeah. I said, so everything takes you back to him. Yeah. It should. It should. Yeah. Because, but I've also seen people who are doing terrible and still ask for help. Yeah. Back to that help side defense thing. Yeah. I, I just feel, feel like with our coaches, I want them to create situations or scenarios for these kids where the stakes aren't as high as they're going to be in life or in those streets. You know, I came from places where you would see best friends and stuff get shot down mm-hmm. in America. That wasn't even, wouldn't even raise an eyebrow. You just knew that happened. That was Monday. So to help you and them to navigate through these problems, mm-hmm. 
I, I don't ever want them to feel like quitting is an option. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying, Dan. Yeah. I don't want them to feel like, you know, I should just kill myself, the ultimate quit. Yeah. I want them to feel like, hey, you know what? Coach Tracy taught me, hey, we're in a tough situation right now. We're down by 30, mm. and it's halftime. Mm. And all that means is we got 20 minutes to come back and win this thing. Mm. Mm. And I'm going to teach you how to do that, mm. how to win in that situation. Man, since I stopped playing basketball, Dan, I've had doctors tell me stuff was wrong with me, that I'm going to be dead. They were shocked. I made it to the, to the hospital. They knew doctors who died with what was happening in my body. Yeah. And I'm like, man, please, yeah. what time do y'all eat around here? <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even thinking about that. Yeah. I said, all I know is I'm not finished yet. Yeah. Good. I'm not finished yet. Me and God got this deal. I don't want to stay a day longer, and I'm not going to die a day early. Mm. I'm going to arrive on time. Mm. And so, I, and, 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 and what helps me to, to believe that is that I've been down by 30 in games, mm. and we come back and win by six. Mm. I've been at our backs against the wall. Mm. And I had coaches that said, hey, if you fight through this in the game, you'll be able to fight through anything in life. Mm. And I live long enough that for those those things, for me to see them come to fruition. Mm. And it helped shape my attitude. And every single thing that I do now was mm. the things that the game taught me. That, hey, don't ever give up. Don't ever. Remember Jim Valvano? He said, don't ever give up. Don't mm. ever, ever, ever give up. Mm. Mm. You know, and what we used to say in the street, we don't stop till the casket drops. Mm. We 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 gonna we're gonna keep playing hard. We're gonna keep get doing what we need to do and until we win. Mm. And so what what we I tell our coaches, I said, what I want everybody to walk out of here with is that they got enough on the inside of them to overcome anything on the outside of them. Mm. That's, that's, that's what I want them to teach it. Now, they don't have to do it just like the way I do it. They could do it a different way, but I want the same result. Mm. I want resilient, young Australians. Mm. I want them to walk out there, and I'm going to live to see the day where just like when you compare coronavirus cases and deaths to America, that do and, and, and Australia is barely none compared to America. Yeah. I want people to say suicides in young males from age 15 to 44, almost non-existent yeah. because yeah. they come through this program, man, and they know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Yeah. Ain't nothing out here can yeah. stop me long as I keep that inside right. So. Yeah. That's what we do with the game, man. And I know I'm long-winded. You know, <laughs> I, I, I looked at how long okay. you were on with Cal, and I said, I ain't going that long. <laughs> I think Cal was on for like about 53 minutes or something it said on there. Yeah, I yeah. said, I ain't going that long as Cal. Yeah. But, man, I'm telling you, when you're talking about faith, you're talking about basketball, you're talking about charity bounce, huh. dude, it's hard to shut me up, man, because, hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're a global organization. We just mm. opening, starting to open our programs in the United States. Matter of fact, I was on a meeting, Zoom call this morning, mm. um, about we got coaches in place in America on the East and West Coast mm. to start doing our programs there. Mm. 
So yeah, charity bounce, man, is is spreading our flag out all around the world. Mm. That's awesome stuff, brother. And no, keep going. I love it. It's great. But just as we finish up, um, I know you don't do the work you do for the accolades, but I did see a video recently where um, I don't know who organised it for you, but they organised the Steph Curry limited oh. edition shoes or whatever. Can we get a look at those? And yeah, what was yeah, all oh, that the about? Armor shoes. Yeah, okay, well, hey, look, you go wait. Let me run and go get them. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Now, upstairs, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I know that right. we don't look too these. professional right now. <laughs> let, me, let me get the back story a little bit on this. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of our partners is Under Armour. Yeah. They're a shoe brand. Now, uh, this was totally a shock to me. Yeah. Um, Steph, the, the Curry brand, which is Under Armour, under arm, mm. uh, and their slogan is changing the game for good. Mm. And the game they're talking about is the game of life. Mm. Now, they only made, they went to Dan White, who's a, young kids are no, Dan Life. Mm. He, he's, he, you know, now with sneakers now, you get them customized and stuff. Yeah. So that's a big thing with young people. This is nice suede type uh, shoe sleeve mm. for each shoe. Mm. And he created, 20 pad of, of 24 karat gold Steph Curry shoes, the, the Curry 8s. And the Under Armour and the Curry brand, brand picked people out. Steph took five people who coaches who were instrumental in his life mm. and his development, and he gave made sure they got a pair. Mm. Then the other 15, the Under Armour from all over the world, Mm. went and picked um, certain people and organizations to, uh, you know, that they thought was doing a lot of stuff in their community, mm. good things. And it's, they give this, first you get this golden ticket. Wow. And the ticket says, greetings to you, the lucky recipient of this golden flow. That's the name of the shoe, Curry Flow, from Mr. Stephen Curry. Mount this ticket and the Dan Light custom flows for all to see as it is a symbol of your good works and, your, and the impact you are making on your community. We see you and honor you. In your wildest dreams, you cannot imagine the change you are creating in the world, leaving it better forever. And it's signed by Steph wow. and Dan White. And I'm telling you, here you go, man. Here you go. Wow. Look and it's that. like, he shoot, they like. Oh, my goodness. And, and, <laughs> and I had them kind of like appraised, and they were like, they said the shoe was like, that was just $3,500 for the pack. What? And, <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, like I said, man, they're, 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 they're amazing. Amazing yeah. shoe, and wherever you see the gold, they got like a gold leaf or and the gold, the stones mm. and stuff inlaid there. Gosh, and and uh, so I tell you, man, I, if you saw the video, I'd had no idea yeah. they were gonna do that. Like they brought the cameras in, NBA Australia, and them they came in and and, and I was I like lost cool points because I started crying <laughs> and. Because they had one of the kids that presented to me, oh, and it, it, you know, and the kids, man, you know, let me tell you something, man. Mm. 
you know, it, it, it's, it's it, it, if, if you can make a difference in a life for just one kid, man, mm. it was worth you living. Definitely. And and to have the, the kids to, to present it. And uh, now I got to get it mounted. I got to get this case and everything mm. to get it mounted. But it was just it was just special just coming from them mm. and uh, and, the, and the Under Armour, Australia, New Zealand and the Curry brand people. It was just incredible, man. And 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 when when I received it, it's all of us. Is is Ian Honiger, is is Stacy, is Evelyn, is Bianca, is it's everybody, is Cap Rootin, is everybody, man. Because mm-hmm. all of this stuff, you know, again, a team. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, you get an MVP award, but hey, every guy that's ever was really sincere. Mm-hmm. will tell you, I got the award, but it was my teammates. Mm-hmm. It's my teammates. It's other people. It's the people around you. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Paul said it the other day. He said, "I'm just happy for the people mm-hmm. around me." Mm-hmm. You know, it was so many people who helped you to be you yeah. and to be. And if it's a good thing, you know, I always tell people that if you're a self-made man, then you're a man that ain't made much. You know? <laughs> You ain't made much. You know, you, you're not a well-rounded man. You're a well-surrounded man. Mm-hmm. You know, wise counsel. Mm-hmm. You got people in your life that'll tell you when you're doing wrong mm-hmm. and that love you enough because you got to love somebody a lot to tell mm-hmm. them that yeah. they wrong right there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you respect them and you listen to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, they gave it to me. It's a tremendous honor. I, I, I you know, Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful, but I accept it on behalf of everybody that's ever did anything with Charity Bounce. Mm-hmm. Because again, I just play a part. I'm just one member of many members, and I'm on this team of people that make Charity Bounce the organization that touches tomorrow every day. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, brother. It's safe to say you probably won't be wearing them on the court anytime. Yeah, no, <laughs> these these. These going up under the glass, man. I, somebody said, when you going to wear? I said, never. I said, never, <laughs> never, never put my foot in these. Yeah. I said, um, I'm going to get it get it mounted. You know, they give you a nice box and yeah. in the case or whatever. Yeah. And I said that. Uh, and what I probably, you know, when we get our new offices, I probably get them to see if they want to display it. In, in the trophy case and everything, so but it's 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 it's, it's a great thing and and Dan, man, before you go, man, I just want to thank you. I want to encourage you, exhort you, keep doing what you're doing. I, I went and listened to your the stuff, some sort of the interviews. I know, as you said earlier, that you just started it this year. Um, keep going, man, because you know it, it. You know it only it it only takes one. Mm. If they hear something in these interviews mm. that will cause them to want to become and grow into the realization or the vision that God had for their life originally mm. Mm. And, and not quit and not give up, mm. then they really, really, truly realize that it's more than a game. Mm. It, it, I, I, every day I go to work, I, that, that title of this show, I think I said, man, I tell these coaches, people tell you, well, it's just a game. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no. 
Yeah. It's more than a game. It, well, it's just a game, Tracy. I said, no, it's not. It could be the very the catalyst for change. It, it's, it's a change agent mm-hmm. in the lives of everybody that could come in contact with it mm-hmm. if we only saw it that way. Mm-hmm. And I just so, man, thank you so much for all of us, some of the, even the people who don't tell you. Thank you for giving your time and effort and putting this thing together. I know what it mm-hmm. takes to. Right. Come up with the intros and all of this stuff, man. Right. And God bless you, man. You and your family, your church. And um, y'all keep doing great things yeah. until he cracked them eastern skies and come get us. That's it, mate. We all gonna be we all gonna be first round picks that that, right. that day. That's it, we mate. We all gonna be first rounders. Appreciate it, Tracy. Appreciate the kind words. Thanks for coming on, mate. And yeah. uh, thank you for joining us on the More Than a Game podcast. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Take care.